Hey, Jenny. Hey, Todd. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. Well, it's podcast day, you know. Hooray! And today we are talking about a phenomenon that some of us have come to call an SLP. Do you want to tell our lovely listeners who haven't heard that acronym what an SLP is? Well, it stands for little project. So (gasps) what do we mean by an SLP? Um, My take on an SLP is that an SLP might be a project. I think it could take many different forms. It could be a project that's a challenging project with the maybe the circumstances around it like it's in a complex building it's a complex you know need that the client has it can be a complex client it can be a quick schedule it can be I mean there are a lot of different factors and I think it means something different to every person but I think that there are these projects that just you know we we take on as a firm that come come into us whether through existing clients or, or others and they're just They're the ones that might keep you up at night or the ones that might make you go, oh, God, I got a meeting about that today. So so we're we're diving a little bit deeper into those. Well, we've got a really cool conversation that we recorded with Michael Williams, Angela Bando and Jose Vaca, who are um, survivors of multiple run ins with SLPs. And we'd like to bring that to the firm today. Here we go. Hey, before we begin, uh, two quick notes about this episode. The first one is the audio quality kind of stinks. Sorry about that. Uh, We live and we learn. The second one is uh, that this episode contains a little bit of foul language. Nothing terrible, but if you might be playing this out loud with little colleagues around, well, this one you might put your headphones on for. Here we go. All of us have different definitions of what are the types of projects that we enjoy. And I think if you ask any one of us, we might have a different version of a shitty little project. It might be a scale of a project. It might be a client that was a pain in the you know what on a project. And so we've gathered a couple of our peeps to talk about these types of projects for them, what they mean for them, and then um, how we view that kind of stuff within the context of the, the firm. And I think, again, as these project types kind of mean different things to different people, it's all of us you know, just trying to understand understand how we navigate these project types and each of our episodes so far have started with some sort of half-baked harebrained idea and uh this one is no exception this time it was it was my half-baked harebrained idea because michael and i just went through what i thought was actually kind of hilarious as a process of deciding whether or not to chase a project that might be the 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 most slp ever in so doing, in our in our kind of back and forth on this, kind of came to question how I think about these things. And so, Michael, maybe maybe you and I should walk through the steps of, of how we came to chase the OmniCell replacement project. Um, yeah. So I think the project the concern was it's a project that has 33 uh, OmniCell in, uh, installations within four or five sites for Stanford Health and. I think the concern was that we had we'd had projects like this before, we, you know, in our in our office, we, we tend to get a lot of these and we decide, well, they're, you know, they're they're important because it's with a client that we want to be, you know, associated with. Uh, we're just sort of like, you know, getting getting into it. But then the other issue is the people who are available to work on this, this is draining for them and it's potentially 
damaging if they get sort of caught into in one of these projects for like a long period of time. You know, that seems like there there's like no end or no light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and so we were very nervous about this. And we had had a conversation way back uh, with the uh, PA team about chasing this and like projects like, like, do we really want to keep doing this to ourselves? And so I think that's that's kind of where the conversation started was like, yeah, I can't believe we're having this conversation to begin with because like we already unanimously said as a group, we don't want to do this kind of work. But then at the same time, like, oh, it's hard to say no to work, um, especially with a client that we're trying to get, you know, to really get in good with. And so it kind of sort of yeah. goes from there. And this one was one that, I mean, when I remember when I when I read the RFP, I sort of recoiled in horror, right? Because like you said, it's, it's replacing medication dispensing equipment okay, in 33 locations in five different buildings falling under four different AHJs. So it's what, three different cities and Oshpod, because you know, two of the locations are actually in hospital. I mean, it's just, oh man, there's sort of not much to love at first sight. We have a, a go, no go kind of questionnaire that we fill out. And actually we scored seven out of 10, which is a decent score. And yet we said, no, no way. <laughs> no way are we chasing this thing. And then, uh, Few days go by. I'm kind of watching our staffing table. I'm getting a little anxious. And I called you up because I needed a pep talk. Because I was getting, I was like, man, can we, this can keep somebody busy for a long time. This is a lot of work. And so we had this, we had this great pep talk where you're like, nope, Todd, everything we say yes to, you have to say no to something else. And if we say yes to this unbelievable slog through replacing all these things, some better projects need to come up and we're not going to have the staff to do it. Michael, you are correct. Okay, fine. We're not going to chase it. And then what happened? <laughs> and then I came back and said, well, you know, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe, maybe these kinds of projects are good opportunities um, for, for, you know, more junior staff to kind of to perfect their craft, so to speak. The work is very repetitious. The work, uh, you know, so somewhat predictable in that regard. It gives you really an opportunity to learn how to manage. Um, it's, it's an opportunity to learn how to fine tune your your organizational skills because you've got a lot of 33 different targets all moving in different speeds. Um, this is an opportunity to really figure out how to like how to how to do that. You know, like how do you, how do you actually manage all this without losing your mind? Because the, the grunt work of getting the drawn is easy. It's quick and fast. You do one and you keep churning them out. It's the management of the team, the management of the schedule, uh, and it's the management of the client. And so here's an opportunity to do that where you're, you know, and the expertise and associate with uh, a more senior architect is not necessarily the most important thing here. It's really just staying on it and doing and doing the work and so I came back with that and I was like man I can't believe I'm saying this <laughs> we should do that but we've got people in our office that are kind of at the cusp of like going up to the next level and this would be a good project you know to take on and be able to do that what we were concerned about and where we ended up was, uh, 
we have to make sure that this does not become like a death sentence for somebody, that it's not something that they have, again, like involved in and then it goes on forever and ever and ever. We have to have like an exit strategy. Um, we have to understand that if it doesn't go well, we have who's going to be there to pick it up and, and carry it. All those sorts of things that we don't necessarily think about when we go after that juicy TI or a nice, you know, brand new building. Thank you. I thought we landed in a, a good place, which was, it was kind of a yes, yes, but, or yes, if, where we, you know, talked to the person who we thought we would assign to this thing, got that person to buy in and, and sort of agreed to a plan to not abandon them to it, but have a, almost a succession plan. And so it was funny to me that, that we both kind of did a couple 360s on this thing, I think. And uh, yeah, we wound up, we wound up chasing it. So, I mean, that, to me, the lesson, part of the lesson of this is, is there such a thing as an SLP? Do we do ourselves and our colleagues a disservice by labeling some projects with a pejorative term like that? We do repeat work for, for clients. We have projects that are more or less glamorous. If we besmirch the unglamorous ones, but still have to do them, what does that say? You know, it's just, is it, is it even worth doing? Are we poisoning the well for ourselves? So I would say that SLP is in the eye of the beholder, just like beauty, right? And every baby's mama thinks it's cute, right? <laughs> there's, there's, right? So I would say no. There are, I mean, certainly there are dogs of a project that are just kind of like, holy cow, is this thing done yet? But I would offer that that SLP is somebody's really important thing that needs to be done that's holding them back from doing the next thing in their system or in their practice or for their patients. And so I would say that, I mean, yeah, there's, there's some unsexy, you know, small A projects out there that aren't going to make it into the glossy magazines. Um, none of my generators will ever be featured on the cover of Architect, right? <laughs> but, I mean, they need to be done because it's the health and safety of the patients at the facility if they're not. Given the choice, would I take on four dozen generators? Eh, but, you know, it's for a client that we know. It's something, to Michael's point, it is, is repeatable. and um, it is something that is a good learning experience for folks as they have moved through it in terms of, like you said, those organizational things, um, learning how to run a project, learning how to interface with consultants. So we may not think the baby's cute, but boy, their mama does. So, you know. <laughs> um, I, I was, when Todd was first talking with, when we were first talking about this project, I was um, reflecting a little bit on my own trajectory at Boulder and for, because the the office in Sacramento has, um, was basically built on doing, you know, work for Sutter Health. And so for the first six or seven years, at least, I, I was the Sutter tenant improvement champ. I did the one after the next, after the next, after the next, and it was, they were, you know, waiting room furniture replacement. It was, you know, 3,000 square foot TIs. It was 10,000 square foot TIs. It, I mean, and but it was the same kind of thing that, I mean, to Angela's point, it wasn't like a bed tower, but that, uh, you know, I look back on it now and I think about 
you know, a lot of the relationships that I had on those projects are still relationships that I have with people today on projects. And um, a lot of the things that I enjoyed the most from that was the, these like long term rich partnerships that we had with people that I, I and I got it was so dialed in this system that I had. There was a template for how you delivered it. I had I tracked things. I mean, it, I had little binders that I set up that I tracked all these facilities and I every Sutter location within like a 50 mile radius. I knew where it was, who worked there, who was the manager, who had everything covered. And so it was in the grand scheme of, you know, when we look at design again, it wasn't this glossy magazine stuff, but it was it was stuff for me that taught me so much about client relationships navigating that whole um that whole world deliver project delivery all that kind of stuff and so it was really it was a it was beneficial for me for sure even sutter davis hospital jenny <laughs> even <laughs> see that that's a that's an interesting one because jose and i will talk about that campus being our maybe maybe the most challenging project that he and i had worked on together but i had a friend a little while back who had who delivered a baby there. And she said, I think I remember you talking about the fact that you helped redo the um, delivery rooms there. And that was the one project that Jose and I had worked on out there. Um, and and she said, and I said, yeah, yeah, my firm did that. And a, a colleague and I worked on that together. And she's like, they were beautiful. Thanks so much for creating this really special environment. And we had our kid there and you're kind of like, I had this moment where I was like, okay, Yes, Jose and I would talk about that project <laughs> not as not being our fave, but it made an impact on somebody, and that was that was a pretty cool moment. It was definitely the first project I thought of when when Todd asked me about shitty little projects. <laughs> yeah, yep. But we made a difference in my friend Marissa's mm. delivery of her baby. <laughs> we did. Well, you know, and so that's an important point too because. Or, or maybe you didn't make the point, but it made me think of the point. Either way, um, you're showing that you can take care of a client, right? Even if you, you're showing them that you think their project is worthy of your time and your effort and your attention. And if they see that you handle a tiny little small project like that, then they're gonna be more inclined to trust you to handle bigger and more complex types of projects down the line. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really kind of laying the groundwork for that future. You hope you get to that future, bigger, better, non SLP. So it's, it's, there's more to it than just like, Oh God, <laughs> look at this thing. <laughs> well, you're all, you're all playing devil's advocate and tell the story of us with UCSF where we're, we're most of the way through, I think, a five-year contract, like one of those indefinite quantity, you know, contracts. And it's, you know, it's been a, a dozen little, you know, just dinky little things. We did a, we did an Oshpod chain link fence recently, sort of, real quick, <laughs> you know. Um, and and we have not been able to win bigger work with them. We got this one somehow. And it has failed to translate into, you know, hey, aren't we great? We can do more stuff. And I, you know, that could just be UCSF, right? They're a complicated and funny client. Have you seen examples of that where we get, we actually go, oh, these are the guys you come to for messy little stuff. I, I think that's, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember the last project I had that wasn't a messy little disaster in some way or another. Um, 
I, I think I think internally and externally that is a skill set that you either become known for <laughs> or not known for. Um, you know, how do I convert a Lomans with one window into a four OR surgery center? Uh, I know, <laughs> but you know, that's not you know. There's there's folks that have that skill, and there's folks that are like, there is no no way I would work on that project, and I would lose my mind in a heartbeat. So. Yeah, I mean, there's, and there's definitely been clients that I've worked with too that are just like, yeah, we, we need to take a break. It's not you, it's me, you know, like we should maybe yeah. see other people, you know. Um, <laughs> 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 and those are hard to walk away from because you know you're walking away from potentially more work, but is it worth the sanity and well being of your staff who is, you know, more valuable than that client who feels fine calling you at five in the morning or 11 at night to complain that, you know, your paper towel holders are in the wrong spot, right? I don't need that. <laughs> and so, you know, is that somebody? That's not a, that's not an SLP, that's an SLC. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Or maybe that's a, maybe that's a BSC. I don't know, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Jose, I was talking to Tracy Gordon yesterday, and in fact, yeah, yeah. I broke you into all this, <laughs> and you mentioned that in the Sacramento office, you guys actually talked about this some time ago, but decided consciously to stop stop labeling projects as good or bad. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I think it's it's all about the mentality, right? Setting yourself up for success. I mean, if you start by defining a project as a shitty little project, you know, that's that's how people are going to perceive it. And, you know, short of it, uh, you know, doing a 180 and turning into, you know, a brand new MOB, you know, these little projects, if you start with that mentality, are, are going to stay there and, and people will regret, you know, being assigned to that project or hate working on it. And, it's it's you know what we've heard so many times before you got to set up set yourself up for success you know it's small but it's still important you know we, we've said that before and i think we we started you know changing our mentality to look at it as a stepping stone to bigger and better things because you never know when it turns into the next next great big project you know you, you have to at some point decide it's work it's good work it benefits somebody do it we're you know we're in healthcare for a reason at the end of the day there is a benefit for doing a generator replacement there is a benefit to doing a casework remodel there is a benefit to that chain link fence you guys did you know somebody benefits from it and you know you got to look at it from that point of view if only to keep your sanity right i was just going to say going back to the idea of um staff that angela brought up that that was my concern or that what we had seen in San Francisco was that these particular projects that um, are usually kind of oshpod heavy, they 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 go after a certain a certain range or certain group of people uh, staff wise. It's the your arc one, arc two, arc three, and so you get somebody who's like buried into a project like that. And so when you need a PM for another project, you you know that person can't do that work because they're buried under you know the work of uh you know some weird oshpod project of moving outlets or rotating desks or something like that that 
you can't, you know, like it's just a paperwork nightmare. And I think that was one of the things that we had talked about, Todd, was like, we're worried about that staff member that if, if that person's doing that, think of all the things that they can't be doing. Um, and I think what the turning point for this Omnicell was like, well, we have some, we have a EP3s. Uh, we've got people that are kind of coming up, coming up a little bit, and maybe this is a good project for them and not give it to your ARC2 or ARC3. <laughs> like maybe, maybe they can be an advisor um, because I, I think, you know, what Jose, what you're talking about, these, you know, the, the casework remodel, sure, those, those are great, you know, in some ways, like as, as ways to get in. It's these other projects that don't have an end. <laughs> They're just like yeah. the project that keeps giving. <laughs> it's like, oh, here, here, you know, you pull the thread and it's like, and it just, <laughs> next thing you know, you've got, <laughs> it, it never ends. But those are the ones that we're worried about, I think. You know, Todd, it, um, you called me yesterday about this, and I've been thinking about it a lot, you know, in terms of, you know, what's an SLP? What does it mean to me? And, you know, like I said, my first thought was that Sutter Davis project. And that was easy because, you know, from the get-go, it's easy to define it as an SLP. You know, oh, casework replacement and Oshpod 1, you know, how, how much more, you know, ridiculous can you get? And then I realized, you know, okay, if, if we're trying to change our mentality, you know, where does that lead us? And, and I thought back at what what maybe is a more important example of what I thought was an S uh, shitty big project as BP, <laughs> which was the first parking garage I did out in Roseville, um, Roseville, California. And so I got I inherited that project and I don't think I've slept less working on a project than I did on that one. You know, there is very, uh, there are very few resources for parking garages at Boulder Associates. We are not parking garage experts. Um, <laughs> it was the very first time, as far as I know, that um, we modeled the parking garage. It was a curved parking garage, um, which I found out is a very stupid thing to do. That's only after the fact. Um, again, we inherited that project. And it turns out that not only was it not a shitty big project, I actually kind of turned a corner and I really like doing parking garages now, um, as odd as that sounds. And, you know, I then got um, the opportunity to work with Craig on another parking garage um, with Cassie as well out in Santa Rosa. And it was fun. I actually really enjoyed that. You know, I, I had gone through the rigors of learning about parking garages and you know unfortunately we didn't win it but we chased a, a giant parking garage on the uc davis campus recently um and i got to work with drew drew garst um on the design and that has honestly been one of the funnest design projects i've gotten to work on um and and just looking at that looking back at that i am so glad i i got handed that shitty big project um because now if anybody in the entire firm came up to me and said, Jose, do you want to work on a parking garage? I would be ecstatic to, you know, you never know where these type of projects will lead you, you know, whether it's to do bigger and better things with a client or to just find a new passion, you know, it's just, you never know. It's always interesting to take on new work. So that's a really good point because there may be folks who find that they love working on these, goofy, complex, time-consuming projects more than, you know, they're, they're not 
interested in the designs. You know, they're they're okay not being, you know, the front design team, but they like really kind of getting in and untangling those knots and figuring out like what this what this project type or what this you know piece of equipment is what it does mm -hmm. and that may be something that they didn't realize in the beginning but then they're like man this is really kind of cool i kind of dig this i i personally i kind of like the really messy renovations because they're just so ugly like it's just there's something so attractive in how ugly they are and and so maybe that's how i've ended up with all of these what would be considered SLPs is that I'm always like, yeah, I'll 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 do the horse stall at the veterinary hospital. Sure, you know, <laughs> give me my hip waders. Let's do this, you know. But you know, I mean, it's everybody has something that they're interested in and a reason. So, you know, I think it's again, I think it's subjective. What's an SLP mm -hmm. and what's not? So it's highly subjective. You know, as I was. The, the, our proposal for the zombie cell thing was due last Friday, I think. And as I was writing kind of the narrative thing about how we're going to approach it, I started to get kind of pumped because it's like, yeah, we can bring a lot of intelligence and organization and lean thinking, and we can just dominate this this thing. We can make this as successful as anybody can. And I solve problems for a living. That's what we do, right? And Here's a whole nest of problems. Let me add it. Yeah, I think I think both of those are good points. Angela, I, I totally think as soon as you said that, I was like, oh my God, yeah, this is the dirty, nasty little weird projects are opportunities. And opportunities mm -hmm. equal design in my mind, and they equal innovation. And but I think the trick is, or, or what what was different for the Omnicell, Todd, was that we had the act of talking about it, the act of engaging the person who we had pegged to do the work and involve them in the conversation, to me was a game changer because it's like, I, if I serve you up an SLP later or you find out about it later, that sucks for that person. Cause it's like, oh, well, thanks. B versus if you get involved <laughs> in the conversation be earlier, you, you can sort of like, you can start to see how this can be an opportunity to innovate, opportunity to grow, an opportunity to be versus being like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just carry this one for the next year. Like that's a very yeah. different, I think, approach. Well, you guys set yourself up for success, right? You, you you talk to the team in advance and and set up the groundwork for it to be successful if you guys win that project, right? Instead of just handing something to somebody saying here's your work for the next year it's you brought them in and you know you got them to buy off and that makes it better yeah 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 the shittiness of it isn't really fundamental to the project it's how we mm -hmm. how we think about it how we plan for it how we support the people on these things and how we think about it in, on some level you know and, and, and providing a balanced diet of, of other experiences too right yeah do you do anything for a couple of years unbroken ready for something else i think the um the other thing to think about like jose when you just mentioned the like this the parking structure experience it's interesting to like when you reflect on moments in your career where you had these pivot points and it's like i found that over the course of my trajectory that those pivot points were things that i wouldn't have expected them to be like i wouldn't yeah. have expected the 
the project we did for Sutter, the Children's Center, would lead me into wanting to explore more of patient experience, which then led to launching Examine, which led to, you know, and, and bringing Meredith in and all these things. Like, it's these weird moments where you can look and go, oh, I never would have thought that that project that's a, you know, 9,000 square foot TI would have led me down this completely different trajectory. So I think it's, it's when we look at the context of these projects that come into the firm, like when you look at something on the surface, when it first comes in, you're just kind of like, oh, okay, whatever, let's take this, or oh, I'm not, I don't really know anything about this, or I'm not interested in being staffed on this, or don't know where this is going to go. Like, it's so hard to know where it actually will go. And so this idea that I think all of us may be expanding our, our mindset to, to, to allow ourselves to be, you know, to have those types of experiences that may take us down a totally different path than we thought we were going to end up on initially. So. And I wonder if I wonder if we can each share something that we've that we've gotten a positive experience from this type of work. I mean, Jose, you kind of already did. You 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 yeah. discovered your deep and abiding love for parking garages. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> so my my example actually comes from my previous employer, Canon Design. Uh, I I came into a firm that Jenny that you and I talked about that for me extensively the other day, but uh, <laughs> in a weird position where no one knew where to put me, because uh, I was sort of in between these two ranks that they just didn't know what to do with me. And so I ended up getting teamed up with one of the, the healthcare design principal, um, who, was, who was like the, the, the master of getting work. This guy could get any kind of projects, but a lot of them were just, yeah, here's, a, here's some weird sleep renovation or sleep study renovation room in a, in a hotel, it's like a like Quinta Inn somewhere on the side of, you know, it's like weird stuff like that. Like he was just a master of getting these goofy things. And I, at first I was like, man, this sucks. Like I, I should be working on the big hospital. I want to be working on the, you know, the big project or the, the main, the, the more important stuff, quote unquote. But what actually happened was me teaming up with this guy and working with him on these goofball little weird studies is I got this crash course in uh, space planning. Like, unbelievable. It's like me and the FGI were like best buds. I knew that book like inside and out because I was constantly jumping in there and like trying to figure out what what was what. And like, you know, here's here's a little teeny tiny adult daycare center in the basement, not basement, but lower level of some goofy building, you know, old hospital building that can't be used for anything else. And so I, I got to learn all these weird little things uh, by doing that. And yeah, again, it's like nobody else wanted to do this. Everybody else in this highfalutin design firm was like clamoring to get on the big projects. And then here I am, strangely safe and learning a ton. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, I mean, it, it, again, has it paid off 100%? Probably not, but it, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I learned a lot. And uh, again, never knowing where these things are going to go. And it didn't last forever. I think if I was doing that still, I probably would be, I'd have a different story. I'd be singing a different tune right now, but it, it, it kind of, it, it was, it was kind of cool, you know, in retrospect. I think my, the, the first time I sort of became aware of this kind of work was doing stuff for a client. I won't mention the client's name, but they're sort of notoriously ungrateful. And um, this was a client of Bob's and, and I just did a string of these. I, I think for like eight years, I was just, just crunching these things out. And then I sort of discovered that I could keep myself entertained by finding challenges 
right? The work, the overt work was just more of the same over and over. But I could find challenge in it by saying, okay, well, I made this mistake on the last one. How do I make sure never to do that or to anticipate the owner and just can I get this done faster than ever before? And so you can find challenge anywhere. But my my real my real SLP, you know, battle scars are gonna there's always gonna be a kind of a weird, bruised, soft spot in my heart for for Health South Bakersfield and just the uh, yeah, Michael's laughing, just the years of mayhem we went through there. But I'm telling you what, I kind of think back, you know, in a strangely fond sense because that was how I went from having relatively little understanding of how Oshpod works to actually having gone through just about everything you can do in the Oshpod <laughs> land, everything that can go wrong, developed an incredible rapport with the field staff that I still call some of those guys up for advice on stuff and I sort of miss working with them. And there's just a just I got to do so much bizarro stuff. And it kind of felt a little bit like being a hero too, because like, ah, all the columns on this building are halfway rusted through. What do we do? You know, it's like, okay, well, we're gonna need a structural engineer, you know, and off we go. And and uh, it was a tough time. And I got to become a better architect because of it. There's no doubt in my mind. So I wonder, I have a proposal. Should SLP stand for special little project? Angela, I didn't know you were going to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's there's a there's a big there's a big meaty word that I can't think of right now that starts with S, and I feel like it's it's a complex word. And, but yes, it's, <laughs> no, no, it's not, it's something, I'll think of it, you know, at random time, you know, like while I'm washing my face or something, I'll think of it. But it, but there's, there's, there's something that captures the beauty of the complexity and simplicity of a stupid little thing <laughs> that starts with an S, but I, I don't know. But um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Jose is 100% right. It's about the mindset. It's how you approach yeah. it. Yeah. You know, that said, though, I, I think it's both, Todd. I think it's special little project and shitty little project. But I don't think you can call anything a shitty little project until you are done and finished with it, right? Because you never know where it's going to take you. And, and you got to have the right mindset. You got to go in thinking it's a special little project. And if it turns out to be a shitty one, you know, when you're all said and done, then so be it. But you can't really define a project before you're done. That's not fair to your client. That's not fair to yourself. That's not fair to your team. You know, every project can be successful and be good, even if it turns out not to be. <laughs> and I think you need to be far enough removed from it to know. Because like, even when you wrap a project, you might not always know where it's going to go. Or like maybe somebody you meet on this awful little project is somebody that you re-meet again in another lifetime at another place or another or things that you learn from that manifest themselves five years down the road into something totally different. I feel like there's something to be said about like we're all on this constant journey of trying to figure out where life's going and the journey right now is all sorts of messed up. I don't we don't know where we're going with this, but I think that there's something to be said about like 
really just acknowledging that each of these things, even though in the moment they might not feel great, they might keep us up at night, they might make us dread having to open our inbox in the morning, but they, they're leading to something, whoever, you know, and who knows where it's going to go. Nice. Should we leave it there? I feel like that's a pretty good, pretty good note to end on, you guys. All right. Well, I want to thank Angela and Jose and Michael one more time for spending some time with us and, and sort of chewing over, you know, kind of an interesting issue. Personally, just reflecting on this, I've concluded that I really don't want to label projects SLPs anymore, and I'm going to knock that off. That's my personal resolution as a result of this. Yeah. Um, Jenny, what are we thinking about for the next episode? Yeah, um, I think, you know, we've got a couple of things that we are stewing on, a, a laundry list of ideas. But I think our next one, we want to, um, just in the spirit of trying to connect people more across all of our offices, we're going to do the first part and hopefully a series of um, episodes where we dive a little bit deeper with a project team that's doing, you know, in the middle of an, an interesting project type with a um a diverse, challenging project. And we've talked with some of our project teams just to hear more about what's happening across the firm. I think it's nice to see people sharing sharing a lot of cool stuff on BiscuitNet. And I think we just want to take uh, mm. take some of those, maybe dive a little bit deeper with the project teams and hear what, what people are, are working on, especially in, when we're in this working from home state uh, across the firm. So we're going to do a deep dive next time. As always, everybody, we've got an email address, podcast at boulderassociates.com. Love to hear what it is that you want to hear. Any feedback you have is super valuable and uh, we welcome it. Love to know what you'd be interested in hearing more of or less of. Yep. Okay. I think that's it for this time. Thanks, you guys. See you in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye.